0: Today on the show, we're going to be talking with two more guests about the new apostolic reformation. We're going to hear their testimonies. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Welcome back. So this week, just like last week, we're going to hear from two more guests about their experiences from within the New Apostolic Reformation. Again, a lot of common themes, uh, something that uh, I should probably mention. I think it's it's kind of interesting to know uh, that the founder of the New Apostolic Reformation, C. Peter Wagner, uh, died. On Friday, October 21st, now uh, I I have to first say that's tragic, it's terrible, Uh, it's something that you you don't want to hear, but having said that, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but this here is the founder of the New Apostolic Reformation, a movement that claims to be gifted with the gift of healing and the ability to raise the dead. Okay, so many of these apostles and uh, apostles who are part of this network claim to have raised the dead. Uh, You can pretty much point at every last one of them uh, and find that they claim to have a gift of healing to some extent. And you would think uh, the most influential uh, person in this entire movement. Now, of course, as we've discussed a couple weeks back, uh, C. Peter Wagner is no... He wasn't uh, the uh, leader of the New Apostolic Reformation anymore, but I think we can all agree that he was still probably one of the most influential people uh, to ever walk in this movement. I mean, gosh, he founded it. And to think that all of these apostles did not come together and send a team to either heal uh Peter Wagner, or to raise him from the dead, I think is telling. Again, uh, if you've been w- following this podcast for any amount of time, you'll know that uh, my stance, as far as the gifts go, and you'll hear uh, actually today and next week, you'll hear from a few voices that are uh, who have come out of this new apostolic reformation that still believe the gifts are for today. Uh, I'm leaning towards. Probably not so much. Okay. And certainly not from this movement. Uh, And once again, I think this is a strong indication of this movement uh, that they are not walking in the gifts. Uh, unfortunately, they were not able to raise him from the dead. And unfortunately, they were not able to heal him in any kind of way that would help him dodge death. Now, uh, also, I've reported in many podcasts in the past about the New Apostolic Reformation, as well as the Word of Faith crowd. uh, Many of them make very bold claims to the effect of that when you are truly walking in the gifts, you, you will not grow old and die. You'll actually Uh, be able to just keep carrying on and now we see that the highest possible authority the most influential man of this movement has passed away he was not able to heal himself uh, and his followers weren't able to heal him he was not raised from the dead it's tragic it's sad um, but, I mean, that's just the state of affairs. I thought it was noteworthy. Uh, noteworthy. I, th- I thought it was something worth mentioning. Uh, I also heard something very fascinating recently uh, as well. Um, I think you guys might uh, enjoy hearing this. I've reported on Bill Johnson and his uh, church in Redding, California a few times uh, in the past, And uh, Justin Peters, I've mentioned him in the podcast a few times, uh, a wonderful man. Uh, I hope to have him on the podcast sooner or later. Uh, But uh, Justin had the opportunity uh, after speaking to a large uh, congregation in I cannot remember, at a church I cannot remember. But uh, one of the congregants came up to the front and talked to him afterward and said, I was one of the people in the leadership team at Bethel Church with Bill Johnson, and her and her friend were tasked with packing glory dust. (laughs) I apologize. Packing glory dust into the ventilation system at this church so that uh, during these massive church services, it would start, you know, the the vents would kick on, and then all this gold-looking dust would start falling on people, and they would think that it's a glory cloud, that somehow God had shown up. Uh, I mentioned in the, in the podcast talking about uh, Bill Johnson and his church and how glory clouds were one of the big things there, and I, I mentioned my suspicions that something like that was going on, and it turns out something like that was going on. So uh, anyway, just some interesting things worth mentioning. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to be hearing from two more guests today concerning the new Apostolic Reformation and their experiences uh, within this movement. We're going to hear from Jason and we're going to hear from Angie. And so with that, let's just go ahead and pick up where we left off last week uh, with the interviews uh, here with those who are part of this new apostolic reformation, or rather uh, a group who has come out of this movement. Again, all of these testimonies you can find uh, in the booklet, Narrow is the Way, Have You Really Found It? You can find that on Amazon. Uh, and so anyway, with that, let's just go ahead and jump right in. Jason, tell me tell me about the church you went to.
1: My experience is a little different Um by the way, that was powerful, Maria. Oh, um,
0: thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, this church is filled with very sincere people. And, and like Jacob Prash says, just sincerely deceived. There's a lot of people still there today that very sincerely want God, but, um, there's stuff that they battle like, um, pride and the flesh, of course, which is a forever battle. And, uh, um, and the people like just like Maria said, the biggest thing that separates people is is uh love of the truth. That is the consistent theme with anyone that comes out is the love of the truth. Um even when it's inconvenient, you know? Um yeah. my I, I was raised in the Christian science church. My mom was a Christian science minister, she uh would speak at, you know, the church that we grew up with which was about two thousand members strong. Whoa. And it's the exact same thing as word of faith. It's the exact same thing. It's identical. And, uh, and Merrill, I mean, I had kind of known that it came from the same place, but Merrill actually pointed out as I was writing my testimony, um, that it came from the same guy, Quimby, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. um, and that explains a lot because, I mean, it was identical. So thankfully, if it wasn't for, you know, and, I, and what caught me up was, you know, I think, at, everybody, just about everybody nowadays has a curiosity to the supernatural. You know, you see all these TV shows and movies about it, you know, and uh, and so people come in kind of thirsty for that, and I think God does that so that we'll be sensitive to his spirit, you know, and that's my opinion. You know, I, I believe in the gifts of the spirit wholeheartedly. Um, I just believe that about 99% of the people that say they're using them aren't, mostly. Um, <laughs> that's just the way I see it, you know, and so these people come in thirsty for that. And then, you know, as the world progresses, like I wrote in the Testament also, uh, more and more people are broken, um, when there's less and less God in our society. And, uh, when you come into a church like this, like I did, and you hear all of these encouraging, um, messages, it, it seems to really soothe something that's missing, you know? And boy, did it make me feel good for a while. And, uh, and I'm a guy that always has to check my pride, otherwise it'll get out of hand. And, um, <clears throat> and so I constantly have to try to work on humility. And, uh, boy, would those messages really puff up pride. You know, I, I really believed for, for about a year that, you know, cause I was moving in supernatural stuff. And, and to go back a little bit, I have personally seen supernatural stuff from the occult, when I used to go out with witches, you know, these, these, you know, my twenties were not the, I was no angel, you know? Um, and I, I saw these manifestations, supernatural things. And then later on, I, I, of course my mom, she gave me the book and the DVD, the secret. (laughs) And, uh, and I would watch this and I would practice it and it would work, man. I would, I would have success at work. I literally, I had been golfing, for um two or three weeks uh, a few times and I started manifesting saying, I'm gonna get my first birdie in golf today anybody that plays golf knows that that is extremely hard if you've only played a handful of times and it, and I just said I'm gonna get my first birdie in golf today and I would say it in front of all the, the four guys I was playing with and sure enough the last hole boom birdie and I would fill my house with furniture I'd say well, Lord, now I need a four-wheel drive truck and, and, and I would I wouldn't pray to the Lord. You know, I would, I would kind of pray, but I would manifest it myself and I would get it that month. Okay. This month I'm going to get a set of golf clubs and I'll get it for free. I'm going to get a set of golf clubs this month and I would get it and and I'm going to fill my house with furniture and I would get it over and over and over. And so I would like to stress that there is power out there that's not of God. I do not believe that that was all from the Lord. Thank you. Um, I believe that yeah. I believe that I manifested that a lot of myself through occult power, you know? Um, mm-hmm. demons are very real. The supernatural is very real. And it's important to discern the difference between the two. So when I came into this place telling you that I'm going to change the world and the great revival, you know, and, um, boy, it really makes you feel special. You know, it really makes you feel like, um, like you are going to change the world really, you know? And and of course my desire, my real desire is to help people, you know? And so, it really took a lot, and thank thank, thank goodness that I had this foundation. So I recognized a lot of the same teachings, and I knew that Christian science was wrong. Uh, I knew that it was a, a cult. It's a, it's a false gospel. You know, it's an unsavable gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had found that, thankfully, for, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Schimmel, and I try to bring up his name whenever I can. I hope you don't mind, because he's just an amazing... Uh, Discernment pastors got a discernment ministry called uh, Good Fight Ministries, and if it wasn't for listening to his messages for years, I couldn't find a church that really I felt fed in, and I would listen to him for years. If it wasn't for that, I can't tell you that I that I would have come out of this church. I mean, you know, I don't want to doubt God's power and what He would have done, but that really, you know, after the first year, I just kept saying, "Where is?" How, where's the time for this revival and then that, the great falling away? And if we're in the end times, where did this both don't seem to fit? They both right. don't seem to fit with what I'm hearing from this pastor that I know is right, you know? Um, and so I would, just, for a year, I remember hearing it thinking, what in the world am I not getting here? And then finally, I would catch the sayings like, uh, we're going to bring heaven to earth and, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, and I started recognizing that it, you know, that the fruit was not right, you know, and that is, it is one of the first things that you can look at is how offendable somebody is, you know, and, and, um, how loving they are, the, the contrast between the two. And I tell you, man, it was not hard to offend people in the church. I mean, I got threatened and this guy, I knew that he worked, uh, for United States customs and I knew that he knew, um, some pretty scary people because, uh, we had talked about prepping and stuff, you know? And, um, and he wrote me an email that was very indirect, but I, my twenties, I knew a lot of, um, I ran with some pretty dangerous people. And so I know when someone's threatening me, um, in a way that can't be used in a court of law. And that's what this guy did when I I came against the soaking I went to. And I was like, man, that was not of the Lord. And I mentioned it to a couple other people and he basically threatened me. And said that I'm going to experience unnecessary pain. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. And I knew what he was saying. Um. And so I kept praying for truth. I kept seeking the Lord through His Word, um, and that's really, you know, thankfully for these these other discernment pastors, you know, uh, Jacob Prash and and Joe Schimmel teaching truth and coming against these heresies, man, um, because if I didn't have that to bounce these new teachings off of, you know, I'm pretty sure I'd still be there. One of my best friends, one of my best friends, he's just an amazing, amazing example of a Christian, very loving person, very helping, caring, servant's heart but he's got some pride, you know, and uh, he comes from kind of the same background as me. And, and the more I see him, the more puffed up he is. And it's terrible to see. And uh, Mm. he doesn't really want to hear what I have to say. And so I try to slip in little seeds as I can, but I literally went to uh, his house the other day and he's got a home business. I'm trying to be vague uh, on purpose. Um, But he literally has these three steps that go up into his house and he's standing on the street three steps talking down to these people uh and I can I'm reading their body language, and they're just like, "When is he going to stop talking you know and, and he's just talking about me, me, i, I you know, and that's just what this gospel does, this is what this movement does. it puffs you up so much that if you do not check yourself, you can very easily just get puffed up into this me 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 i i i, and that's not what I see in the gospel you know.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: well yeah a lot
0: the of it yeah sorry a, a lot of the praise music that comes out of this movement now is very me centered as well uh you yeah. know uh, gosh for just for example the most popular uh well one of the most popular praise songs on the radio right now that bethel song i am a child of god and <laughs> well who are we singing about here uh but right. uh over and over i am i am yeah so anyway sorry i didn't mean to interrupt Go ahead. That's okay. Um,
1: what, and so, uh, I when I finally figured out, and like I said in my testimony there, I went on an Israel trip with Good Fight Ministries. Oh, um, wow. And that was amazing because I got to sit on this bus right across from Joe Schimmel for two weeks and bounce all this stuff off of him. And this is a busy guy. You know what I mean? It, uh, oh, yeah. My understanding is that all day long he has to look at his phone and hit ignore He just has no choice, you know, because, and so that changed my life. And, and, and I remember talking about, um, Patricia King is, uh, oh, yeah. is very highly connected to where I am. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Joy knows a lot that this is like a hub. It seems like the Southwestern hub for, um, a lot of things, including spiritual teachings, you know, and, um, and he was telling me, you know, she's, she's a scary name and these names are scary too. They're a part of what's called the new apostolic reformation. And I would just, the Lord would bring these messages to me out of nowhere, like seemingly from left field. Uh, excuse me. And, uh, and as I was supposed to study a topic, it would come up. Sure enough, I come back from my trip and I, I find fighting for the faith, you know, uh, Chris Rosenborough, I think his name is. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Roseboro. I think his name is, um, and, and he's a pirate a of
0: these, Christian radio.
1: Yeah, that's it. Um, a lot of these guys are, they're trying to warn people, you know, Hey, this is wrong. This is how you read in context. This is wrong. This mm-hmm. is how you read in context. Right. And sure enough, he's doing a segment on Patricia King. And so all of these things would happen. I went to uh, a church in Detroit um, and James Gall was speaking and he, my understanding is that they normally don't do this, but he said from the pulpit, I'm a part of a movement called the new apostolic reformation. And there's probably 3000 people in that room. Wow. And, uh, and as soon as he said it, uh, discernment went up in my belly. You know, I like to call it that warm buzz in my belly. It'll tell me when something's wrong. And, uh, it, Write that down, you need to study that. And I did it. You know, I'd never heard it before. Um and sure enough I emailed Joe and he's like, Yeah, there's some pretty scary names there know, the new Apostolic Reformation is this and that. Um and then uh so that that's pretty much how I came out was seeking truth. Um I found people that that, that are known to be reliable for doctrine. Um and uh that's really what separated me from going down this rabbit hole any further was the love of the truth, continuing to seek even when it was inconvenient, even when it hurt men, it hurt, you know, and it manipulated me quite a bit. I remember that Christian, uh, the Christian psychologist, you know, um, he, uh, I was warning, I was like, dude, this is what I'm seeing. This is, uh, this is not right. And he literally sat back with this smug look and said, what makes you think it's your job to, to say anything about this, well, and I said, all of the new all of the new epistles were written to refute false doctrine, and he said, yeah, but they were written by men of influence. Uh, Basically, saying I had none, <laughs> you no, know? and
0: uh, they. But who were they was, written to? They, was, they were <laughs> written to all of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Right. And wow.
1: uh, and he he's one of those guys just like Maria had described, it, it, I'm the type of guy where I won't always catch exactly everything that's happening in the moment, but I'll process it later. And over the next couple of days, I figured out just uh, the, the impact of um, his
2: condescension.
1: Um, I, I could tell that what I was saying felt on deaf ears. What I really would love to say, and stop me if I'm, if you've got any thoughts that you want to chime in, Mike. Oh, go ahead. I'm trying to go as fast as I can. So. I heard you. Um, it's God's way to turn What I really would love to say is that the Lord, what the Lord is doing with me now is incredible because He keeps putting in these positions that are tied to this church. Um, I found another church. The guy used to teach at Phoenix, Phoenix Seminary here in town. Um, and uh, he's a great teacher. And I, I'm going to this place. It's the middle of nowhere. And it's a tiny, there's 20 of us there. That's it. And he's teaching systematic theology, which is fascinating. Guess what building they end up getting after this? The, the old building from the same church. So now I'm in the same building that I found this church in, and we're all connected. They have to have relationships with these people <laughs> in order to keep the building. And, and this is back and forth, and I'm, and I'm watching the fruit. And this church is amazing, the fruit that came out of it. I really want to stress there are very sincere people in this church amazing. Amazing. They're um, they, like, they, gave, they were so selfless in so many of the things that they did, but mm-hmm. I think it's the pride that stops them from wanting to hear the truth. I remember hearing this pastor speak from the pulpit telling telling us about these people that would come to him and have discussions about doctrine, and he would just dismiss them. Um, and it's, it's funny because later on, I ended up being discipled by a guy that was one of those people that had lunch with him. Um, and this guy's really well known in the ministry. He knows a lot of big names. He's actually related to somebody on TBN, a big, big name. Um, and he knows that these people are false. And then all of a sudden, right now, you can probably even hear me. Uh, I move in with this amazing Christian guy I meet who's come from the Midwest and guess what church he starts going to. It's the same Hmm. church so the Lord is doing something. You know, I, I ended up friending all these people on Facebook uh, right just before I left. I didn't realize that's what was happening. And so now I go on the Internet and I share false teachings. They make it to this church all the time. All the time. They don't ever plug my name. They don't ever tell me where they got it, which is fine. <laughs> you know, that's not why I'm in it. Um, and they reach people there. I gave a couple people a DVDs about the submerging church. And I heard the pastor reference one of those dvds indirectly and it's a oh, man thank god you know it got all the way to him and he actually said this is i heard him say right when rick warren's son had passed away
2: oh yes yeah.
1: he mentioned it from the pulpit he said that you know the very prominent pastor whose son was committed suicide this week um and he said from the pulpit, now we are worlds apart as far as doctrines, but we need to pray for this man. And I know, Amen. I literally had this conversation with the leadership uh, a few weeks earlier, and they were talking about how he's this wonder man, wonderful man of God, and that's why I gave them the DVD. Uh, and so I, I know that there's two sides to this, and, it, and and one is to be so separate that we cut ourselves off from really reaching anybody who's still in it, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and the other the other side is the completely different doctrine. Um, I love this story. A friend of mine used to live down the street from MacArthur's church, and it's no uh, it's no secret after the Strange Fire Conferences that he um, pretty much rejects all um, of the gifts of the Spirit, and, and they pretty much teach uh, they pretty much consider anybody that's practicing uh, the gifts of the Spirit. <clears throat> Um, charismania, they, they said throw the baby out with the bathwater, of course, you know, um, and, uh, they, they basically consider anybody that speaks in tongues and stuff not saved. And then she said that there's this gigantic church right across the street. It's a, across the street or down the street. And they are a very charismatic church. And they, they, they toss doctrine aside. So you've got this one church that's all about doctrine; they just <clears throat> just don't don't necessarily know about the gifts of the Spirit, right? You've got this other mega church <clears throat> right across the river, and they completely open themselves up to any spirit and toss doctrine aside. Complete polar opposites, right? Is
0: there a and flock of ducks by you? <laughs> what is that sound? <laughs> Not-
2: that's me, and I thought I blocked it out.
0: <laughs>
2: Hold on one second. I'll try to I didn't know it what to say. To, I'm trying to put my up. animals away. Hold on one second.
0: <laughs>
2: star six, right?
0: <laughs> what were those?
2: Those are my ducks and chickens. <laughs> my ducks. Star six, I, star I, six right?
0: I was just sitting there going, I swear those are. God. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh.
2: Hold on, it? A- I'm
1: glad you're able to figure out what that was, Mike. I had no clue what that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, carry on. So here we yeah. have these these two churches that they both consider the other not saved. The charismatic church they teach that anybody that doesn't speak in tongues is not saved, that that's the sign of the Spirit inside of you. Now, right? that's, and
0: so, that's not what uh, uh, MacArthur teaches, though. Uh, that that if you if you show signs of the Holy Spirit, or let me try this again. That if you uh, believe in the gifts, you're not saved. He's just he's more of the the camp of um it's it's just simply not of God. That the gifts have have ceased, and I right. still hear ducks.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I, okay, I quit. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
0: So that's the first time ducks have appeared on the podcast. We've had dogs, we've had cats, but this is the first for ducks.
1: I we've am so dogs, sorry.
0: So that is no problem. Um, I would
1: definitely like to finish with this. The, the main point well, yeah. of these two different churches, right? This visual I have, a, these massive churches, both consider the other not saved. And who knows how many people in these churches are saved, but you know a lot of people are and a lot of people aren't, right? Oh, but yeah. the biggest thing is that this is such a picture, such a great picture of where the enemy wants us, either way over here or way over here, never somewhere in the middle being affected. He always wants us way, way extremes. Once we finally start to find the truth, he will try to bend it so that we take such an extreme, extreme stance that we don't reach people and we're not effective. And I think it's important to try to avoid that black and white um, box that we try to fit God into, you know?
0: You know, isn't that interesting? Uh, Christians are always, uh, the debates, the Calvinism, Arminian debate is Mm -hmm. so fierce. And it's not that they're, they're uh, having you know an iron sharpens iron discussion. It gets brutal. It gets mean. There's name calling, and uh, the pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no-trib, pan-trib, you know, uh, <laughs> that gets crazy too. And and it's like guys, I I I like rabbit trails just as much as the next guy. I like to mm. look into to you know different things within the realm of Christianity and explore doctrine. But when it starts getting mean and nasty, that's not being that's not being Christian. I'm not saying that when you get mean and nasty, you're not a Christian at all. I'm just saying that <laughs> you know that's not how Christians should be acting and uh terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, yeah and we and you know we all kind of fall into that at times, and uh yeah. we gotta stop that anyway, as you were <laughs> saying yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's about it i just i always picture also you know. I don't know how big this church is, but, of course, the Westboro Baptist Church with the God Hates Fag sign, you know, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not it. That's not it. That's not how we minister to people, you know. Um, Amen. And that's, that's about all I got. Thanks for letting me ramble on, Mike.
0: Oh, that's great, Jason. Yeah, how we minister is love and truth. You know, if you can yeah. find the balance between being very loving but at the same time speaking the truth— don't withhold the truth because you're afraid you're going to hurt them or offend them. But love and truth. Speak the truth and love. It's, it's hard. It is hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's very hard. Um, mm. but, but that's how it's done. And uh, anyway, oh. Angie, tell me about your church.
2: Well, I, uh, uh, I had, uh, after my husband died, I had a hard time going to our church because he wasn't there with me. Mm -hmm. And a friend invited me to go to their church with them. And I started going with them on Saturday night and uh, still going to my church on Sunday. And uh, they had a widow's group. And uh, so I just eventually changed over to the other church. And right after I changed over... They started a church, a new church plant that was less than a mile from my house. And I thought, you know, that it had to be God to do that because I was driving nearly an hour. (laughs) And uh, they just uh, took me in. And, of course, at that time, that's what I needed. And... uh, it was so different from any church I had ever been to. And the worship music was so different. The preaching was so different. And our pastor was very charismatic and there was a lot of laughing and he made everything a story instead of, you know, strictly scripture. And Mm. uh, it was... uh, more like he was putting on a performance and it was entertaining. And the uh, worship music was very, how they got you in the mood, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, to get you worked up.
2: Right. And they would uh, say, you know, quite a bit, not every Sunday, but a lot of the times it would be, Uh, You know, God's here with us. Let's be quiet and listen to him and, you know, things like that. And David definitely was a good speaker. And uh, the church grew very fast. And uh, being that the church started with 50 people and they took me in, because they knew, you know, I didn't have children. My husband had passed away, and I didn't have any family there. And, uh, I, I needed that at the time, and I didn't see that I was being used at the time either, because any time they needed anything, of course, I was there to do it. <laughs> and, uh... My parents were sick, and so they moved in with me. And so, you know, there was a lot on me, but I still wanted to, you know, serve at my church like I did at the other churches I had gone to. And they were very big talking about the covering, you know. Uh And they were, uh, David would talk about, You know, I was covered by the church and anything I needed. You know, he was going to make sure that I was taken care of. And um, so that went on, you know. And then as it was a new town uh, that was growing fast, you know, north of Dallas. And uh, the church was... Uh, getting very involved in the city business, you know, and we got in, they wanted to be involved in the city town council. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I worked <laughs> a lot in helping them get uh, the mayor and the city council elected and i think at one time there was uh only one or two that was not from our church on the city council
1: oh wow
2: yes and i worked you know phone calls and emails and everything helping you know doing everything i could to help them in that venture And as the church was growing, uh, I started seeing people leave, but I think, you know, as others said, I didn't know why they were leaving. You know, it was always something they did. It was never something wrong with the church. And as the church grew bigger within... I think it was 4 years we had they had to build a bigger church that was how fast it was growing and um it was so growing so fast and everything and then of course um I forgot who said leadership earlier you know they put me in leadership, and I told them at the time, I'm not a person to be in leadership, and they convinced me I was. And I was leading a life group, and just anything they wanted me to do, you know, I tried to do it. And uh, I didn't know how to say no. Anything they needed, I did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then my dad died, and uh, they. Uh, I kind of felt like they should have been helped me more with that than they did. I had to, you know, get him back to another state and everything, but I just kind of felt like they should have been there more for me then, but I let that go. And. I started seeing things then that it was starting to be more one-sided. But the preacher, the senior pastor, and I seemed to be real close, you know. And uh, as time went on, uh, my mom, after my dad died, my mom ended up being in a assisted living, and I decided at that time that I needed, you know, to move to a smaller house because my husband and I had a larger house. And so uh, I uh, found me a smaller house, and the pastor was going to uh, take over selling the house for me so I wouldn't, you know, get taken advantage of or anything. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and and so he uh, was going to do that and said uh while we're doing that one of the elders' daughter instead of letting it just sit there we were going he was well they actually came to me and asked you know And I said, you know, talk to the pastor that was going to take care of it. It wasn't the senior pastor. He was going to have the pastor that took care of the finances of the church take care of it. And uh, I told them to talk to them, and they thought it would be a good idea for the house to be lived in instead of vacant when people looked at it. Well, as soon as that couple moved in, they decided they wanted to buy it. And so... That was fine with me, you know, and uh, I don't know how to go into this, but long story short, they kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I said, until they bought it, you know, just pay taxes and insurance. And uh, it went on for 15 months. And I was even paying the utilities. They never, I couldn't, you know, they would not reimbursing me for the utilities.
0: So they and, weren't even paying, they weren't paying rent or anything.
2: No. And uh, I kept on saying, you know, I can't keep doing this. And they said, don't worry, Angie, we're going to take care of you. You know, we wouldn't let anything happen to you. And... It just went on and on. Well, our Mom kept getting worse, and my priority at the time was taking care of Mom. And the Mom kept going downhill, and I kept saying, you know, and they had the... At, by this time, we had five pastors. The church had grown that big. And they would... Uh, You know, we're going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. And they were so convincing. And so finally my mom died, and I told them, you know, this has got to end. I can't keep doing this because here I had a house that I was making a payment for, and they were living for nothing. (laughs) And I was paying theirs too, you know. And... uh, So, come to find out, they had told, the couple evidently had told people that they had already bought the house, and I told the pastor that they had so many days, or they had to move out, and he told me that I couldn't make them move out of that house, because I would look really bad to the church. Oh, boy. And uh, at that point, you know, I was in, I was great friends with everybody, you know, and we had been friends. We went to each other's houses. We were, you know, uh, they were my friends. You know, that was my my family since I didn't have any family. Mhm. And on that day... It started, they didn't answer my emails, they didn't answer my phone calls. It just cut off, just like that. And uh, I ended up getting a legal eviction, and one of the elders called me and tried to talk me into letting them stay, you know, like another month or two. Mm hmm. And I told them, no, that that wouldn't work. They, you know, the eviction notice was what it said. And uh, I was told that I would pay for what I was doing. And the way they looked at me, it was, a lot can be said by the way they look at you, you know? Uh
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And it was quite frightening. (laughs) And, you know, I'm over there with no family or anything. And suddenly, who I thought was my family is telling me that, you know, I'm going to pay for what I've done. And when I got in the house, after I had them evicted, the house had been torn up. It was just. They had cut off cabinets and broke mirrors and and nailed, uh, poked holes in doors. Oh. And it was just, it cost me a lot of money. They Realtor tried to sell it as is, and nobody would even, you know, think about buying it like that. So I had mm-hmm. to have it, you know, fixed. So... It was just unbelievable, you know. And all of a sudden, the pastors who were, quote, my best friends, you know, wouldn't talk to me or answer my phone calls. And what was really strange was about, uh, oh, I guess it was four or five months after all this happened the senior pastor sent me an email and uh, wanted to know where I'd been that he had missed me. And uh, I told him that I had tried to talk to him for two or three months and he wouldn't answer my phone calls or my emails. And I'd tried to see him, you know, meet him in the office. And he said that, uh, I knew that wasn't true because he said, you know I would see you or talk to you anytime you needed anything. And I sent him a copy of the couple of the emails and I never heard from him again. Hmm. And the
0: same uh, manipulation you hear in so many different stories. I, the pastor just feels that they have this, this absolute power over the people and that it's okay to do this stuff.
2: Right. And, uh, there was three women that, uh, the grandmother of the couple that was in the house, she and another lady and I had been, you know, the best of friends for all of these years that I went to the church. And, uh, the grandmother of the girl was sitting. You know, this is. I'm not going to be in this. I love you, Angie, and I love the kids. So I'm not going to be in this. And then uh, after all this happened, she had told. You know, she was telling everybody not to have anything to do with me. You know, and there was some other people telling that too. And then the the other lady you know she was so mad and she was saying she quit going to the church too and uh, uh, she said that she knew she had known the lady for years and said that you know she had never been able to truly trust her but she (laughs) never thought she would do anything like that you know And uh, I had no idea that, I say, church people, Christians, would do anything like that. And it really caused me a lot of problems, emotionally. Oh, yeah. And I was diagnosed with PTSD, and it just caused me a lot of problems. And I've had several people call me, you know, uh, and saying, well, they finally have come back to you and made things right, haven't they? And I've said, no, haven't heard a word because, you know, everybody thought that they would do it. And I live that close to the church, and the pastors wouldn't even come to the house and look to see what they had done to it.
0: Oh, wow. Huh. Just kind of turn a blind eye to it, then.
2: Right. So it just really changes your your trust in people.
0: Mhm. It's it's tragic, and I, I think in a lot of ways it's it's a symptom of this this uh, one the the covering theology uh, that mm-hmm. you know you don't you don't question the leadership, and I think right. that goes that goes all to their head. They get in this situation, and after a while they they start. Living it out that, hey, you can't, you can't question me. And and I'm they, not the
2: only one that they, they treated, you know, wrong. So it's not just me. It was, they've done some other people wrong there.
0: So, all right. Well, and, and that's, and that's just it, it, more symptoms of this movement. When you look at different cults out there, You hear stories just like this. You hear stories of people that come out of Mormonism that are like this. Uh, I think that the one cult group that most feels like what we've all experienced is the Jehovah's Witnesses. uh, Jehovah's Witnesses because they always, they'll disfellowship you. So first of all, you don't question the governing body and the elders. And if you do, they'll come over, they'll meet with you, they'll start bad-mouthing you. They'll start blacklisting you. Uh, they'll kick you out of the congregation, and then they'll disfellowship you. And when they disfellowship you, if you're employed by anybody um, that is part of their, the, the uh, watchtower, you'll get fired. Um, mm. Your friends and family that are part of the movement uh, will be uh, basically barred from talking to you for the most wow. part. All your friends cannot talk to you. Uh, it's, it's terrible. And that's, you know, a lot of those same manipulation tactics you see within the, the New Apostolic Reformation and, and, you know, and even a lot of the more hyper charismatic churches where you have uh, that covering theology in the mix. Wow. You know, that's when things really start getting messed up. And, you know, you must blindly. Submit to your pastor, who then blindly submits to some apostle or prophet, and uh, and and well, on and on it goes. It's it's terrible. It's terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. I wrote a letter to all of the elders and the two apostles, and I couldn't even get with them. They just totally would not acknowledge me as even being. <laughs> it, it was just as if it nothing happened.
0: Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Uh, as you can see, guys, this movement, uh, it's, anybody who's come out of this movement, I, I'm sure you are nodding your head as you're hearing these different testimonies. It's more of the same stuff, this control, this manipulation, this uh, covering theology, and that you can't question the pastor. And the pastor can bring up uh, the most outlandish Uh, theological ideas and supposed revelations from God, and you can't question him. He can say God told him this, and God told him that, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, And when the pastor does something uh, that is questionable, that you look at uh, in hindsight, and you say, wow, that was absolutely wrong. That's just something you should not do. Uh, In these churches, The pastor gets away with so much. And so, anyway, we will stop here. Um, Next week, we've got a couple more interviews. Then I'm going to jump into another subject. I'm already putting something together uh, that I'm going to be recording this Saturday morning. And then I'd really like to get back to this flat earth subject. Uh, We're going to bring in somebody who's got some interesting background that I think can add to this debate. So, anyway, with that, I love you guys